The attempt to murder Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh at his home is a truly horrific event in American history. But what is equally appalling is the reaction to it. Our cowardly and incompetent President Joe Biden has refused to personally and publicly utter a word, although he has been given every opportunity to denounce this heinous act. His Attorney General Merrick Garland refuses to enforce the law that makes it a felony to protest outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi spent the better part of a week trying to block a bill to enhance vital protection for those who serve on our nation's highest court, claiming there was no danger. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer offered little remorse for his despicable rant on the steps of the Supreme Court where he hurled threats against Kavanaugh and his colleague Neil Gorsuch, all but inciting violence against them. It was entirely foreseeable that a fanatic might be triggered to act. The New York Times refused to pay much attention at all to the assassination attempt, bearing the story on page 20 of its pathetically biased newspaper. And that detestable activist group, Ruth Sentis, which published online the home addresses of the justices and thereby unleashed a torrent of threats against them, is now specifically targeting Amy Coney Barrett and her seven children by advertising the family's daily schedule in the schools where her kids attend. All of this is disgusting. It's disgraceful. Democrats and their media handmaidens clearly condone the harassment and intimidation of conservative justices. Their contemptible silence and inaction is the equivalent of encouraging violence. If Justice Kavanaugh and or members of his family had been murdered, would they have simply dismissed it as deserved? I suspect so. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author, this is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Watching the news, seeing the horrors around our nation and beyond, the suffering in Ukraine, those left behind in Afghanistan, and here at home, parents trying to feed their kids and fill their gas tanks. Well, I have a warning for you. Inflation and tax hikes are Biden's only way out of our $28 trillion federal debt. If you want to protect your hard-earned money, your IRA, your 401k or savings, you can do that with physical gold and silver. Call now, 855-665-0767 to get your free gold IRA kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767 and my friends at Gold Co. will give you up to $15,000 or more in free silver with a qualified account. Gold Co. has helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and tax hikes and the uncertainty of this economy. Protect yourself and your family. Call 855 855- 665-0767 now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Can you imagine 
the cacophony of condemnation from Democrats and the media, if the roles were reversed, if the lives of liberal justices like Sotomayor or Kagan or Breyer had been jeopardized in an attempted assassination. The New York Times would blast the story all over its front page with a double banner headline. Mara Garland would order the immediate arrest of every demonstrator outside the justices' homes and charge them with obstruction of justice under 18 U.S.C. 1505. Biden, Pelosi, and Schumer would raise bloody hell and excoriate it as one of the vilest acts in modern American history. Any group that docks the home addresses would be declared a domestic terrorist organization, shut down and prosecuted. But the man at the top, Joe Biden, is hoping that liberal anger over the anticipated reversal of Roe v. Wade will magically resurrect his failed presidency, turn about his abysmal ratings, and somehow avert the reckoning that Democrats are facing in the upcoming midterm elections. This is pure folly teased by hope out of ignorance. Attorney General Garland, meanwhile, is a monument to dereliction. He's more interested in treating concerned parents at school board meetings as terrorists than enforcing the rule of law against obvious lawbreakers. He should be impeached for abdicating his sworn duties and weaponizing the Justice Department for political purposes. By any objective standard, Garland is a disgrace. If the activist nutballs at Ruth sent us had an ounce of decency, they would apologize profusely for their critical part in ginning up the palpable anger and vulgar protests outside the justices' homes, frightening their children inside. The late Ruth Bader Ginsburg would be mortified that her good name has been hijacked for malicious actions directed at her colleagues on the bench. Were she alive, she might remind these unhinged zealots how she expressed serious reservations about the reasoning in Roe v. Wade and how that decision may have actually exceeded the bounds of constitutionality. People do have a right to protest their government. That's a given. It is a cherished right enshrined in the First Amendment. But it is not an unlimited right. Under the law, it can be regulated as to time, place, and manner. And to that end, Congress passed a statute that made it illegal to engage in just these kinds of protests outside the home of any judge or justice with a corrupt intent to, quote, influence, obstruct, or impede a judicial decision. Well, that's precisely what demonstrators are doing. They admit it. Their stated design is to harass, intimidate, and coerce the members of the high court into changing their draft opinion overturning Roe. This constitutes obstruction of justice. Unscrupulous Democrats have openly encouraged this ongoing felony. Joe Biden continues to abet and sanction it by his deliberate refusal to repudiate this odious conduct. 
Like Garland, the president is duty-bound to uphold and enforce the laws of the land. Both men have chosen to abandon their responsibilities. I suspect Biden and Democrats want the Supreme Court justices to be fearful, to be intimidated. They want them to surrender. They want them to recant their votes and capitulate to the loathsome mob. I can think of nothing more repugnant than politicians who employ the threat of violence against vulnerable families to extort a judicial outcome. It is an atrocious assault on democracy. Joining me now to talk about it is Carrie Severino, an attorney and head of the Judicial Crisis Network, where she played a leading role in support of Supreme Court nominations of Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh. She co-authored the terrific book, Justice on Trial, The Kavanaugh Confirmation and the Future of the Supreme Court, a graduate of Duke University and Harvard Law School. She also clerked for Justice Clarence Thomas. Carrie, thanks for joining The Brief. Good to see you. You, you know, what, what strikes me as so utterly indecent in all of this is, is that Joe Biden has yet to publicly and personally denounce this assassination attempt on Brett Kavanaugh. And, you know, a, a decent president, regardless of his or her opinion on a, on a Supreme Court justice, I think would have gone immediately in front of television cameras, addressed the nation, condemned the repulsive act in, in no uncertain terms. And yet Biden has conspicuously avoided it. And his White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, and her replacement still really refusing to speak out against the intimidation, the harassment outside conservative justices' homes. Do you think that Joe Biden is sort of confirming what we knew all along, that he's just not a strong and principled leader? He's sort of a weak partisan? Uh, yeah, and I think you can tell his weakness because he is allowing himself to be led by the absolute loudest voices and the most radical voices in his party and really the deepest pockets as well because it's these dark money groups that have that financed his campaign that are the ones who have the craziest ideas that don't even fly with most of his own party things like packing the court things like protesting in front of justices homes which a majority of democrats disagree with as well and uh, while he did uh, thankfully, put out a statement saying he um, obviously uh, condemned the actual assassination attempt of a Supreme Court justice. Uh, I guess that that deserves some applause. Um, he still hasn't walked back the idea that protesters shouldn't be in front of justices' homes, when in fact, there are federal laws saying you shouldn't be intimidating justices about current cases. And that's exactly what's happening. They're all talking about the cases that are yet to be released at Dobbs principally, and then also uh, the major Second Amendment case is one that's come up. And so they're, they're really trying to encourage the justices to change their opinions based on uh, threats and intimidation. And that's not how the rule of law should work. It's shocking that the president can't see his way to condemning that. It is so cowardly to me. This is just my opinion. So cowardly to have somebody issue, you know, a statement. Oh, yeah, he condemns it. Why not say so himself in the most emphatic way? which suggests to me that, you know, he really doesn't care. He wants to use this, uh, you know, in some partisan way. 
The abortion activists who posted a map of the justices' homes, um, targeting them and their families and unbelievably their children, uh, it, it seems as though they were doing this, as you say, to instill fear. Aren't they committing obstruction of justice, applying pressure and coercion to force justices to change their votes, which is a felony? Right. And, you know, think about it. If you imagine a system in which judges are ruling on cases, not because they've come to a specific legal conclusion based on the legal arguments, but because they're afraid for their own lives or they're afraid that their family or children will be injured, you know, who knows what, what would that they're being attacked and targeted. That's not a rule of law society. That's not the American system. That's that you're describing the way the legal system works in countries like Cuba and countries like Venezuela, not in the United States of America. So what's what's so shocking to me is, you know, this leak was aiming, it appears to be aiming at exactly that, at not uh, obviously making a legal argument to the justices, but at opening the door to this kind of intimidation and threats um, and bullying of the court to try to find some other means to make them change their votes. You know, and, and this particular group, Ruth Sentus is the name of the group, uh, harassing the justices. They're doing this in the name of their, you know, former beloved uh, colleague, Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg. Um, I mean, she would be horrified and I think would blast this group for commandeering her good name and reputation for something that is really despicable. I suspect she'd tell Ruth Sennis that they should be sent to hell. What do you think? I, I, I think uh, she would, is probably rolling over in her grave night now at the idea that her name and her legacy is being tarnished by this type of an organization. She was legendary for her ability, which apparently is a lost art, to make friends with and uh, work well with colleagues who saw very, very differently from her um, on uh, in, in matters of politics, in matters of law. And yet, you know, she and Justice Scalia couldn't have been more opposite on the court in terms of their legal approach, but were the best of friends. Uh, and she said very kind things about Justice Kavanaugh, particularly following his, uh, his tumultuous confirmation process. She went out of her way to make it clear to people that she welcomed him, that she respected him and treated him as a colleague. She criticized how uh, absurd his confirmation process became. She said very kind things about Justice Ginsburg. You know, this is the kind of person uh, that they're, they're absolutely abusing her memory. Uh, by trying to invoke her in in a thing that is not not simply causing uh, just frustration and annoyance for these justices and all their neighbors who have started to complain to the press about this as well, uh, but is really putting their lives at risk, and that's you know outrageous. I, I am not at all surprised that Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, has not lifted a finger to actually enforce the law. Uh, you know, 18 U.S.C. 1505. Are you surprised? And isn't this a, a dereliction of his duty? Yeah, you know, on one level, um, he, he's someone, unfortunately, who, as he has been in his office, has repeatedly, despite being pitched as a wonderful moderate, remember when he was the, the, such a moderate Supreme Court nominee, how could anyone oppose him, right? He is not moderate. Um, he particularly is like President Biden, willing to be led by some of the most extreme groups. So he's not lifting a finger to stop some of the outrageous stuff. But I was surprised a little bit on the level of 
gosh, this is someone who is a federal judge. He served in the D.C. Circuit for a long time. He sat for over a decade with Brett Kavanaugh, who now um, had a, a near assassination. Um, I, I'm really, you know, just flabbergasted that this hasn't been enforced. I'm assuming, you know, the feds don't want to make martyrs of this group, but there's a certain point where you know that, you know, if you walk up to the president's motorcade, you're going to get stopped by Secret Service and it, because they're actually doing their, their job of protecting uh, the, the president. There has to be an understanding of, you know what? We actually are going to enforce these laws. I, I I don't think they should do it in a in a way that's that's overly you know harsh in any way. But they need to make it clear. No, no, we're actually going. If you are if you are trying to pick at a justice's house in a way that violates federal law, we're going to stop you. Yeah, but he won't do it. You, by the way, wrote an excellent column uh, on Fox News that explained how you know this is a quote unquote dark place for the court and. It's the culmination of the kind of ugliness that uh, dates back to Robert Bork, uh, 1987. Uh, And I couldn't agree with you more. Ever since then, I mean, Democrats have attempted to smear just about any nominee put forth by a Republican president. They certainly did it um, to Clarence Thomas. uh, But the worst treatment of all was Brett Kavanaugh. This was character assassination on steroids. That was one of the most shameful episodes in American political history as it relates to the Supreme Court, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And, you know, while, while his confirmation process was starting, having clerked for Justice Thomas, I was warning people of how crazy it could become. But And I always rhetorically wanted to say, well, this could be the worst confirmation process ever. But I always held myself back because I thought there's no way it's going to be worse than Thomas's confirmation. And you know what? It was. It was absolutely shameful what they what they put that man through and his family. Um, and, you know, this is really just, you know, the second volume of what they are trying to do to Justice Kavanaugh in particular. But he's not alone in being targeted here. It's all of the justices. And as you said, it's, they've, been, they've been at this since Bork. It was really because Bork was representing uh, the, the uh, conservatives finally realizing the stronghold the left had on the courts and how much they were using it to achieve their goals. And so they started to see, oh my gosh, if they can confirm people like Robert Bork, they're going to take the court back and the court's going to be able to actually enforce the constitution rather than just effect liberal policy goals. That's where we are now. That's why they're feeling so threatened. That's why we're having people trying to pack the court saying, well, actually we need to go back to the FDR playbook. Even though it was so roundly rejected back then, we should actually just add justices. Let's have 13 more justices. There was a bill proposed to do just that or to have 13 total justices, add four more. Um, and, and, and this type of behavior in front of the court, you've had, obviously, people have been talking about the, the behavior of Senator Schumer, who was standing on the steps of the Supreme Court, uh, waving his fist at them and, and telling them uh, they'd better look out. I mean, that is, is just incredible that we've come to a point uh, of this type of bullying of the court, even by our elected representatives. You know, I'm glad you brought up Chuck Schumer because his, his not-so-veiled threat against Kavanaugh, against Gorsuch, to this angry crowd out in in front of the United States Supreme Court comes very, very close to, if not uh, meeting the legal requirements of inciting violence. Take a listen to this. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you 
go forward with these awful decisions. You'll pay the price. You don't know what's going to hit you. My goodness, this is the majority leader of the United States Senate. And, you know, he's not the Lone Ranger. Then you, then you see Elizabeth Warren uh, goes on this bitter diatribe uh, against conservative justices outside the Supreme Court immediately after the draft opinion was leaked. I mean, she is physically shaking with anger. Her animus is visceral. Her words are venomous. I mean, is it any wonder, Carrie, that, you know, this kind of incendiary rhetoric by two powerful, influential senators might lead to an attempted act of violence against a Supreme Court justice? I mean, wasn't it foreseeable that there there would be some fanatic, some lunatic who would take his cue uh, from such rhetoric? Yeah, I, I think using that kind of language is absolutely reckless. Um, and the type of fear mongering that we've seen from them, from the president himself, suggesting, you know, they, they, suggesting this de- this decision would somehow outlaw abortion nationwide. That's not true. Suggesting crazy things like, oh, this is going to, you know, resegregate schools or somehow create segregated LGBT schools for kids. That's that's just completely detached from reality. It's going to end interracial marriage. What? I mean, I have heard some of the most ludicrous statements. And uh, so, you know, when you when you do that kind of demagoguery, is it any wonder that people start getting whipped up? And, you know, this is the other thing that that is such a problem with having um, people who are at the justices' private homes. Because, you know, you could have 99% of these protesters being uh, peaceful. Now, they're, they're, don't get me wrong, they are incredibly loud. They are intentionally rude. They are intentionally very vulgar in their protests. But at least I, I, the, the majority of them seem to not be seeking violence. But if you have just one person who is, that yeah. is the risk. And that's what we already saw with respect to Justice Kavanaugh. Um, so that that is a... A serious threat. And I think until this decision is released, all of the justices are, are, are just going to be on absolute high alert. Hard to imagine how you manage to get your job done when you're trying to, you know, find how, how you can keep your own self and family safe at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you've got to fear not just for your own life, but for the lives of your, your loved ones. And how do you explain this to your kids? I mean, think of Amy Coney Barrett with, you know, seven kids and, you know, they're mm-hmm. hearing this uh, angry rhetoric just outside their home. They're seeing all of these people and, you know, police are there trying to protect them. My Lord, isn't there any decency with these people? And look, they're entitled to have their opinion, uh, pro-choice uh, opinion. I, I don't begrudge that as long as it's sincerely held, but they have crossed the line of decency here, haven't they? I, I think that was their goal. I mean, that's the thing. They're, one of their, their uh, taglines that they, w- they want to be in- intentionally impolite. Well, impolite is an understatement. I'll tell you, I was at the court the other day and, uh, I, and I, I, they, were, they had playing on a loop, a song whose lyrics were just shockingly, I mean, definitely R-rated lyrics uh, on, the, on this song. And, uh, you know, today I was taking uh, some family to visit downtown. I thought, well, part of me wants to take them past the Supreme Court, but there are children in the group and I can't expose them to right. that. You know, uh, Justice Barrett's children are exposed to that. Justice Kavanaugh's children are exposed to it. And, and what's more, their entire neighborhood is. They come at 7 p.m. every night, white when people are trying to get their kids in bed. Can you imagine the bullhorns start shouting uh-huh. obscenities right as you're trying to get your kid to sleep. Uh, this is, you know, just 
un- unheard of that we would have a, a nation that used to be renowned for its ability to have civil discourse on, on a topic. And, you know, yes, this is a very serious issue that people feel strongly about, but there are ways to have these discussions. Look, there's the March for Life has hundreds of thousands of people marching on the Supreme Court every year, but you can do so in a way that is safe, that doesn't threaten personally the justices, and uh, and, and that can still maintains the bounds of civility. That's right. And, you know, people who don't know much about the law and the Constitution are very quick to say, oh, we have a First Amendment right. Uh, no, you don't. Uh, there are limitations to the First Amendment. Uh, as Attorney General Barr pointed out the other day, time, place, and manner. And mm-hmm. Congress can pass laws, such as the one I referred to, that prohibits this kind of activity directly outside a Supreme Court justice's home. But Garland won't do anything about it. Let me switch over to the media. Um, it, they have worked uh, sedulously to minimize uh, this horrific act, an attempted assassination of Brett Kavanaugh. The New York Times, I, I couldn't believe my eyes, uh, buried the story on page 20. What's your reaction to that? You know, it, it was kind of of a piece with what we saw from groups like Ruth sent us. I mean, their imme- initial reaction was, wait a minute, they just said the guy was armed. He probably, if he had a gun or a knife, they would have said so. He probably just had, who knows, like what they thought he had, fingernail clippers. I don't know. But it turns out he had a gun. He had a knife. He had all sorts of other stuff. I mean, he had, he had the, the zip ties. He, he was planning on, on kidnapping the justice initially or tying him up somehow. I mean, there was a pepper spray, all this stuff. So, and then they're like, well, you know, we didn't actually post the addresses. Okay, fine. You posted dots on a map that was pretty clear exactly which house <laughs> it was. Um, and then they, and then they later, of course, did go out and tweet Justice Kavanaugh's address. They're like, oh no, look, it's, it's widely available here. We'll retweet it for you. Thank you for continuing to broadcast the addresses of our justices. So we've got a lot of people who are trying to downplay this threat. And they're saying, you know, we we want the justices. It is the goal for the justices to be uncomfortable. You know what, guys? This goes way beyond uncomfortable. And again, there's there are ways to, you know, to uh, even even if you were picketing at their homes, do so in a in a uh, way that is peaceful and way that is is um, thoughtful of others. I, you know, when I was at the court, there were there were other people on the other side who were there. They were praying peacefully and quietly. You can you can make your point without making um, without being rude, without being um, obscene, and without just getting in the faces of all of the other neighbors nearby. Uh, but I think the biggest challenge is now, if you're a U.S. Marshal standing outside of Justice Kavanaugh's house or Justice Barrett's house or Justice Thomas's house, it's that much harder for you to keep your eyes and figure out who is the next person who might be the would-be assassin. That's right. Um, you, you know, the the media, I, I have to think that if it was Sotomayor or, or Breyer or Kagan that were targeted uh, by an assassin. And the New York Times would have run full page, double banner headline. I mean, it would have gone on and on and on. Instead, you know, it's a much smaller story on page 20, which, which tells me that the media really is, in many ways, complicit in sort of radicalizing the left uh, making it acceptable, encouraging implicitly, you know, what it is they're doing, including violence. I mean, the, the media cheered on 
with enthusiasm, the violent riots in the summer of 2020, you know, trying to justify the looting, the vandalism, the beatings, arsons, stabbings as, oh, well, you know, this is just the necessary social justice venting campaign. It's perfectly acceptable. Hasn't the media been witting accessories in all of this? Well, I think of the LA Times piece about this, which went, actually read like a, a, a kind of profile of the killer or the, the would-be killer. Like, so wait a minute, why are we focusing all the attention on the, he said, the pl- plot to kill Kavanaugh ended with a desperate plea and they're focusing on this guy's, you know, troubled <laughs> life or something. I'm like, I, let, let's not, let's not try to give him the spotlight. That's only encouraging more people like this. Um, you know, and then again, you got people downplaying it saying, well, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter because he turned himself in. Oh my gosh, we were very, that was a very close call. It, we, we don't wait till it's a much worse thing before they actually, that'd be like not covering, you know, Reagan's attempted assassination. Cause like, ah, oh, it's okay. He, he's not dead. <laughs> no, no, it's still worth covering. Right. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, my final question, I think one of the reasons, and I alluded to this earlier, um, that Biden and Democrats have been so conspicuously silent, even nonchalant, about an attempted attack on a Supreme Court justice is that, you know, that interferes with their narrative. They're hoping that a reversal of Roe will somehow save them from a monumental loss in November uh, and loss of governmental control. Uh, isn't that a fair assumption? It, it seems like, you know, Carrie, it's all about maintaining power. Lives be damned. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I have heard some speculation on the electoral impacts of this that I, I'm not sure I buy. I, I think the people saying that um, Roe being overturned is going to lead to Democrats trying to s- salvage some of their electoral losses in September, in November. I, I just don't think that's the case looking at, at what polling is in terms of the intensity of voters on either side of this issue. I think it's something that right. if it went the other way, you'd have a lot of really frustrated people uh, on the right to say, my gosh, this if, you, if there's a more open and shut constitutional issue, I can't think of one in terms of the originalist view. You've got people all over the map on what they think the actual correct policy should be. But I think in, uh, in, in terms of how to, uh, what restrictions are appropriate on abortion, but how to... Um, whether the Constitution says it should be a very clear question. I think that's where most of, most Americans recognize this. And if you if we would stop uh, misconstruing the opinion and misconstruing what it actually will mean and and what the implications are, I think most Americans will recognize that having their elected representatives decide abortion policy is actually a much better position than than having the Supreme Court uh, dictate from on high a an abortion policy that the vast majority of Americans disagree with because the, yeah. the policy required by Roe v. Wade, even pro-choice Americans uh, in polls say they disagree with because they they recognize that um, they, they do not want late-term abortions. They don't want, you know, uh, the, the types of just complete laxity on this issue that uh, Roe requires. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but I, I do think this is all the Democrats hoping this issue, maybe this is the one issue, maybe this is where we can, you know, uh, snatch uh, victory from the jaws of defeat. But there are so many things going wrong for President Biden's administration so far. I just think this is going to be a drop in the bucket when, when people are worried yeah. about the prices at the pump and, you know, all the national instability in every other area. So um, oh, we'll, totally see, we'll see what happens. Oh, I agree. I mean, you know, people... 
people vote in a way that affects them the most personally. And, you know, right now it's their wallets. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're getting annihilated to the gas pumps and the grocery store and, you know, these uh, incredibly insane policy. And they very clearly, according to the polling data, blame Joe Biden and, and his party, the Democrats. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any way for them to avoid what is inexorable come November. Kerry Severino, uh, attorney, head of the Judicial Crisis Network, author of a very good book that everybody should read, Justice on Trial. Kerry, thanks for being with us. Great to be here. And that's The Brief. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>